On the field, inside the clubhouse, and everything in between. This is Brewers Weekly, presented by Annex Wealth Management and sponsored by Boucher Automotive. Now, live from the Annex Wealth Management Mobile Studio on the grounds of Summerfest, here's Matt Pauley. A good evening. Welcome into the program. My name is Matt Pauley. Oh, we got a show. We got ourselves quite the show tonight. Have you for the next now 49 minutes, all the way till 9 o'clock this evening. If you want to join us, you can do so, 855-616-1620. That is the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, or you can tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. That's an extra access point to the program that Scott Warris will not give you, because Scott is not on Twitter. I am on Twitter, so you can reach me on Twitter. You can't reach Scott on Twitter, and he is very proud of that as he makes his way out of our, our studios here at Summerfest. Uh, we got a lot going on on the program. We have a lot going on. This is as busy of a Brewers Weekly as we have had in quite some time. Uh, speaking of the Twitter machine, uh, if you were on that today and you are uh, very much locked into Brewers Twitter, you probably saw an article that was going around written by uh, Travis Sochik, and uh, it was The Brewer Way, How Milwaukee Became a World Series Contender. And it was a really, really interesting story that kind of locked into some things that are very unique about the Brewers organization and the way they make players be their best self. Travis is going to join us in like three minutes. We're going to take a break here in just a moment, and then we'll get to uh, Travis. Uh, we got a lot of other stuff to get to. We're going to, I said I was going to do this uh, during, uh, one, I think, our rain delay this past week, and then I did not get into it. Let's start predicting the playoff roster. We still got Brewers haven't clinched their playoff spot yet. We still have a few weeks away, you know, two and a half weeks until the playoffs, uh, or until the regular season ends, about three weeks till the playoffs actually get started. But you know what? Let's do it. Let's start predicting the playoff roster. We're going to do that uh, later on on the program as well. Uh, if you've got any individuals that you are worried... Uh, you're worried they're going to be on the playoff roster, or you are worried they are going to be left off of the playoff roster, text those names in, 855-616-1620. And don't just say the name. Make it clear if you are worried that they're going to be left off or you are worried that they are going to be on it. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk text line. We'll come back around to that later on in the program. And uh, we've got a very special segment later on as well. We are going to play a game. We don't play games a lot on the show. We probably need to play more games. We're going to play a game tonight, and we'll discuss that coming up uh, in just a bit as well. But up next, as mentioned, uh, Travis Sawchick. He is somebody who uh, really did a nice job talking about the Brewer's Way. Is that a thing now? The, or is, it, is it the Brewer's Way or the Brewer Way? What sounds better? The Brewer's... we got to workshop this real quick. The Brewer's Way? The Brewer Way. I think I like the Brewer Way. That sounds better. That's how he writes it. Travis is a writer. He knows what he's doing. He joins us next here on Brewer's Weekly on WTMJ. It's Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. That is gold. We are at Summerfest. Welcome back in Brewers Weekly here on WTMJ. My name is Matt Pauley. Very happy to welcome this guy onto the program. He is the senior baseball writer for The Score. 
Not to be confused with the radio station down in Chicago, The Score. It's an app. It's a website at thescore.com. Uh, they do a fantastic work. And uh, this guy wrote uh, a really interesting uh, article that uh, was published today uh, talking about the Brewer way. He is uh, Travis Sawchick. You could follow him on Twitter at Travis underscore S-A-W-C-H-I-K. Hey, Travis, thanks for taking a little bit of time with us tonight. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Hey, you're, so the the main idea, and I don't want to take too much away because I want as many people as possible to read this because you did a, you, it really is a, an interesting piece, but kind of the main idea was that the Brewers do a really good job of helping players become their best self. When, when you went into this, when you had this idea, when you started talking to people and, and having questions, um, did anything that you found out, did, did it surprise you at all about the way the Brewers do things? Well, going into it, uh, that's a good question. I mean, going into it, I thought of the Brewers as, you know, kind of like the Rays of the Tampa Bay Rays of the NL Central, an analytical first team that has to uh, succeed with not on a, on a smaller budget, not quite to the Rays level, but, you know, a team that has to be smart and prudent and do all those sorts of things. And uh, and, they, and the Brewers are uh, well-versed in analytics and knew it, they take advantage of new ways of doing things, new technologies and all that. But, I mean, I think one of the interesting things is, you know, Corbin Burns, uh, he, his off-season home is just a few miles from the Brewers Spring Training Complex and where they have their new pitching lab and their new, a couple of years ago, they opened their new training facility there. And when he was developing his, uh, what turned out to be his, his cutter, one of the best pitches in baseball, he didn't really go there at all. He just went in his backyard. He went to work. He showed up with this new pitch to, to summer camp last year, and the, you know, the Brewers, uh, they were blown away by it, and they tried to – so he, he came up with this, what was supposed to be a slide, a shorter slider, became a cutter, and the, uh, you know, the Brewers worked with him on this. They thought it was great. They tried to help him a little. You know, once he got with the team, they tried to help him design a little better. This year he's added the curveball. But I think it's an example of a, you know, a team not forced – not a, not a heavy top-down approach where you're going to do something this way. This is what the you know uh, this is our assessment. You're going to follow it. They're kind of open to hearing what the player believes he should do, what he thinks it could benefit, and working within his strengths and uh, you know his uh, what things he's working on. If <laughs> if that makes sense. But I uh, Willie Adamas, another example where he had rebuilt his swing last off season. Uh, trying to become more of the in-vogue fly ball hitter and take advantage of, you know, he has above-average raw power hitting ability, especially for a middle infielder. Uh, but when the Brewers traded for him, they, they were kind of curious why he rebuilt his swing, and you know, he was not performing well with the Rays earlier this season. But rather than just say you should scrap that and we have some better ideas and ways to go about things, and this is what the numbers say, you know, they – Andy Haynes and the Brewers suggested a more modest tweak, just get a little more upright in your stance. They didn't try to persuade him to, to change what he was doing. So I think uh, kind of another example of working around what a player is trying to accomplish, helping them tweak something, adjust something, but not trying to overhaul every, everything. Uh, and I, I think they've acquired some personality types like Colton Wong, who wants to now, I mean, most major leaguers who get to that level are obviously very competitive and talented, but there's still different levels of players wanting to look into self-help and be the, the, their best selves, as you said, and I think the Brewers have acquired some of those guys, whether by 
targeting them or by chance. Uh, it helps to have players like that in this day and age who can uh, look for better ways to improve skills and that sort of thing. I want to go back to Corbin Burns for a moment. I cover this team on an everyday basis, and we, we talk a lot here in Milwaukee about the pitching lab and how the Brewers are so good at, at helping pitchers find what pitches they need to use, what they shouldn't use, how to tweak, and so forth. I did not... and. There's been a lot made of Burns' time in the pitching lab after that really, really tough season. I didn't know the part about it where he was literally in his backyard throwing into a net and having, uh, I think it was his fiance or his wife, uh, going and picking up the baseballs and you know bringing them. You know, I, I didn't know that part of it. That's To me, I found that to be incredibly interesting because, kind of as you alluded to, one of the best pitches in baseball was not created in a lab as maybe we felt like it was but this is a guy who went to his backyard and found it that's a that's a really cool story <laughs> yeah and not to say he's never gone in the lab uh but he when i spoke with him he credited most of that was just him going out his backyard his synthetic turf mound and just going to, to work and what he and what felt right and what he thought uh looked right coming out of his hand and you know crossing over his his backyard home plate and look there's a lot of guys who have uh i mean i've, I've written extensively about the new tech new ways of thinking in baseball training and there's a lot of benefits to come out of the lab and the brewers absolutely should have invested in that pitching lab and uh get as much as they can out of it but just because you have a breakthrough that doesn't happen there doesn't mean it doesn't have value and i think the brewers have been good about being open-minded to uh you know just because something uh, they weren't able to measure something or didn't come out of the lab or didn't come out of their, you know, the hit tracks and their batting cages. doesn't mean it doesn't have value. doesn't mean that it shouldn't be explored or built off of. And, uh, you know, I, it was probably hard to not accept <laughs> Burns' cutter as a breakthrough when they saw it in, in summer camp of 2020. But, yeah, I, I think it is, uh, it's kind of a cool anecdote that, uh, you know, this, this team that's embracing player development and high-tech tools you know, they're, the, this unicorn pitch that burst on the scene the last two years just was a, kind of a, came out of a backyard uh, experiment. So there's, it's still nice to know that there's some magic in baseball and some happy accidents happening. Yeah, absolutely. And another thing you mentioned is kind of the role of Steve Carsey, the, the bullpen coach. And I think a lot of people think of bullpen coaches as the guy who picks up the phone in the bullpen and says, hey, whoever, start start warming up. You might be going in. Uh, but Carse, along with the Brewers pitching coach, is Chris Hook, and he gets a ton of credit for what the Brewers are doing. Uh, but but Steve Carse has a has a really big role uh, in this organization and helping pitchers as well. Yeah, I think he is. Uh, you know, what, we, what teams demand out of coaches today is changing with just the, the – the avalanche of information that, that's come into the game, but there's still a benefit in having played the major league level and having that experience. And I, I think if you're drawing up the, a blueprint of a perfect coach, it would be someone who has had that experience of playing at the major league level, who's had successes, who's dealt with injuries. Uh, and Parse has experienced all of that, but he's also open-minded to new ideas, new technology, new information, and he's he's embraced that. He's sort of that perfect hybrid role and uh you know, he looks at. He's one of the one of the coaches and Brewers officials tasked with. Hey, let's check on these guys' release point uh, to make sure they're not fatiguing. Let's check on their what the stuff metrics say to make sure they're in good shape. You know, he's keeping an eye on these guys to make sure there aren't any red flags coming up. And he, uh, you know, he's 
he has empathy for the player. He's been in their shoes. He has the communication skills to talk to different personality types, different player types. And, you know, there's a lot of smart people in, in baseball front offices. I, Ivy League types, STEM degrees from, uh, uh, you know, top universities. But I think the coaching role uh, today to find those really value-add coaches is, uh, is even rarer in some cases because you have to have the skill set to communicate to different personality types who've had these experiences. So if you can find someone like Carse who's open-minded to the new, da- new data, new tech, and to have that playing experience, I think that's uh, – that's huge. So he's not just holding the clipboard back there, and uh, you know he deserves credit too for for some of the bullpen performances and just being another voice, another set of eyes on what is such a terrific coaching staff. Travis Sawchick from uh, the Score, the Score app, continuing to uh, join us here uh, on Brewers Weekly. Uh, you mentioned Colton Wong earlier, and, and Wong has kind of openly lamented the the way the Cardinals wanted him to do things, and when they did not pick up his option going into this year, he sort of looked at himself and tried to figure out what he could do to make himself better, and the Brewers then kind of just went along with that, and, and that that seems to be a thing where the Brewers allow individuals, and you said it a moment ago, allow individuals to uh, go do what they personally feel like uh, will make them the best ball player, and then the Brewers try to put their eyes on it and kind of tweak things a little bit. How important is that for for individual players maybe feeling some ownership in their own career, if that kind of makes sense? Yeah, no, for sure. I think you want players to feel invested. You want any employee to feel like they have an investment in, in their future and uh, in their performance. And I think the Brewers, uh, I think one interesting thing about the Brewers as an organization is they, they aren't the Yankees. They don't have 10,000 analysts in uh, in Tampa and their New York office. They're a smaller front office. They're a smaller, they're a smaller team. So they don't, uh, I think that... One, I think it's probably easier to get good ideas to filter up because there's fewer voices around. And two, I think it probably limits. This is just me speculating, but I think they probably also accept that we don't, we can't have all the best ideas here because we are a smaller group. We have to be open to to thinking that you know, there's other outside instructors or outside analysts who have some good ideas too. So if players want to pursue them, uh, we need to be open to that too. Without just you know. Uh, our first word can't be no when we when a player asks or suggests or shares something. So uh, I think there is something to the culture because, uh, yeah, a lot of teams are trying to embrace uh, new ways to develop players and embrace the new new training concepts, the high speed cameras, and all that. So I mean, most teams are invested in this to some degree, but the Brewers are getting they're executing better than most teams, uh, I think. So I think that has to. Be something about the culture. Be something about the coaches. Be something about what the Brewers are doing. Because you look at since 2019, through the top 27 starting pitching improvements are are in the Brewers staff: Burns, Woodruff, Peralta. Uh, you look at a player like this year, Adamas, who, I mean, maybe part of that was just getting, uh, you know, knowing Wander Franco, the top prospect in baseball, is behind you in Tampa. Maybe just the change of scenery helps. But I, I think there's something to how the Brewers handled that situation, too. Uh, so, yeah, I think that there's too many co- coincidences to, to think there's not something pretty pretty special about the Brewers' culture and way of doing things. 
He is Travis Sawchick. Follow him on Twitter at Travis underscore S-A-W-C-H-I-K. Go read what he wrote uh, at the uh, score.com or just download uh, the Score mobile app and you can uh, find it there. He is the Score's senior baseball writer. Travis, thanks so much for taking this time with us. We uh, really do appreciate it and hopefully we can uh, catch up again down the line. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Very good. There's Travis uh, Sawchick joining us here on Brewers Weekly. All right, when we return, postseason roster. If you've got any worries, you're worried a player is going to make the roster or you're worried a player is not going to make the roster, uh, text those names in, 855-616-1620, 855-616-1620, the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We'll go through a potential roster. We'll do that in a moment. This is Brewers Weekly Live at Summerfest. Back with more Brewers Weekly after this. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. My sweet summer is gone. My sweet summer is gone. Yes, she left in the morning. Dirty Heads playing tonight at 10 o'clock on the uh, Uline Warehouse stage here at Summerfest. My name is Matt Pauley. Thanks so much for being tuned in. It is Brewers Weekly. What a week for the Brewers. We had uh, a no-hitter thrown, combined no-hitter. Ryan Braun officially announced his uh, retirement. Brewers are coming home for a 10-game homestand, the final homestand of the year. Can you believe it? It is uh, right around the corner. It's tomorrow. It starts. 855-616-1620. 855-616-1620 is the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You can also tweet in the program at Matt Pauley on air. So, um... A Brewers fan on Twitter, a very active member of Brewers Twitter, Megan Schroeder, uh, tweeted out her perfect Brewers playoff roster this past week. And when we were in the rain delay this past week, she wanted me to comment on it, and I, and I never got around to it because we were doing all kinds of uh, wacky things. So uh, I wanted to get into it now, and I think I mostly agree. You, know, there's a, you look at the roster there's only a few like decisions to be made. I don't think there's any decision at catcher. Omar Narvaez, Manny Pena on the roster. I don't even think there's any decision when it comes to uh, your infielders. I, I think without a doubt, if healthy, like we're, we're assuming healthier. Uh, I, I think Rowdy Telez and Daniel Vogelback are both on the roster, and you're going to have Willie Adamas and Jace Peterson and Colton Wong and Eduardo Escobar and Luis Urias. Those guys are all going to make it. I guess maybe a question when it comes to outfielders, uh, specifically to Jackie Bradley Jr. Is he on the playoff roster? I think he is. Uh, we got a um, we got a text message from the 262 saying, JBJ, fear he is on the postseason roster. I, I don't understand the fear. Now, I'm not just because you're on the postseason roster doesn't mean you're going to be starting games. But think about what he can bring. He's got great speed. You're down by a run in the ninth inning, and Daniel Vogelback hits a double. You, you okay with JBJ pinch running there? Yeah, I think so. You're up by a run in the ninth inning. And you've got an outfield group that for whatever reason, maybe a Jace Peterson is out there in the outfield. And JBJ's on the bench. You feel comfortable throwing him out of the outfield to augment your outfield defense? Yeah. So he, it, not so much for what he's going to do at the plate. He has had a, a really tough year. And I think there's at least a possibility that he gets refreshed and revitalized by the fact that when the postseason starts, you can take his 165 average off the scoreboard and you can kind of start over, and maybe that's what he needs, but maybe that doesn't matter. Maybe he's still a 165 hitter in the postseason. But to 
to not look at the value that he brings in other areas, I think is um, a little bit short-sighted. Uh, you can be worried that he's going to start a bunch of games. That's a reason to be worried because he hasn't done much with the bat this year. But to not think that he can impact this team a positive way in the postseason, I would, I would disagree with that. The, the big questions, and there's a lot of questions when it comes to pitching. And we're, this is a discussion that we're starting now and we're going to continue to have for the next three weeks. And we're going to have the discuss, if they, if they win in the divisional series, then we'll have the discussion again going into the championship series because things go, things will change when you go from a five game to a seven game series. What do you do with pitching? What starting pitchers that you might not use as starters do you turn into relievers? I am still really intrigued by what the Brewers are going to do with their starting pitching when you consider the fact that they've gone with a six-day rotation all season long, where do you keep guys on the same rest that they have been on all season, and therefore maybe you have to use an extra starting pitcher, where you might have to use four guys in the divisional series and five guys in a championship series or a world series, or are you comfortable just kind of at the snap of a finger changing to a standard five-day rotation where you can get through that divisional series with three starters and you can get through the other two series with four starters. We all know that Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, and Freddie Peralta are going to be three starting pitchers. But beyond that, what do you do? Are you going to give? Are you going to leave Adrian Hauser in the rotation? Are you going to leave Eric Lauer in the rotation? Are you going to? Are you going to put Brett Anderson in there? Because Anderson is somebody who you, you're probably not. You, you can see value for an Adrian Hauser in the bullpen, especially with that the sinker that he throws. You need a ground ball. You're in a you're in a pickle. You got runners on at second and or first and third with one out and you really need a ground ball to get a double play, that's quite the weapon coming out of the bullpen if you can get Adrian Hauser in there and get a ground ball. That, that could be how, In many ways, his ability to do that might outweigh what he could do in the starting rotation. You know, Eric Lauer has worked out of the bullpen as well, and that gives you, um, that, that gives you a lefty option. Uh, on, on this roster that I'm looking at, one name that's not on there, who's on the roster right now, is a left-hander that they went and acquired at the deadline in Daniel Norris. Norris has pitched better. I guess my question would be, who do you trust more? Do you trust a Daniel Norris who is used to the role of being a left-handed relief pitcher, or do you trust an Eric Lauer who is generally a starter but you could put into the bullpen? So those are kind of the questions that are out there, and it's really fun to look at this. So on her roster, again, she didn't have a Norris on there, but she had, uh, in addition to Woodruff, Burns, and Peralta, Williams, Hayter, Cousins, Boxberger, Strickland, Hauser, Suter, Ashby, and Lauer. Uh, and it, do they do they get Lauer as that fourth starter? As you know, because because you want to have a lefty in the rotation. If you're not going to go with Brett Anderson. Do you want to have a lefty in the rotation? Does that really matter? Maybe it depends on who you're going to play. If you're a team playing the Brewers, you're probably looking to get a lefty in the rotation because the Brewers have not been as good against left-handers. But if, you are, if you're the Brewers, do you try to get a left-hander in there? So, yeah, those are all the questions. and It's a really fun conversation, and this is a, uh, this was a nice job for her to kind of have a starting point of what the roster might look like. And, you know, health is a big part of this. Roddy Telez is on the injured list right now. Willie Damas, he's going to be back soon. That's the good news. Tyron Taylor is going to be back soon, but clearly there's a whole bunch of moving parts. All right, when we return, we are going to do it. 
We are going to play a game in honor of Summerfest, in honor of Megan the Stallion. We are going to play the inaugural edition, we'll see if we ever do it again, of Classy, Bougie, Ratchet, Sassy, Moody, or Nasty. We're going to do that next here on Brewers Weekly. More Brewers Weekly with Matt Foley coming up on WTMJ. Brewers Weekly with Matt Foley on WTMJ. So smooth like the car I ride. Even your best party planner couldn't catch this vibe. Big boss and I make a hater stay on their job. Megan the Stallion tonight. She's on stage. She's probably just about on stage. Her opener polo G probably on stage right now. And then Megan the Stallion. You got to say the like that. The. Because there's two E's in the. She's not Megan a Stallion. No. She's not Megan the one E Stallion. She's Megan the Stallion. There can be... No other stallion. If you're going to be a stallion, you got to put something else in front. Like Sylvester Stallone, he is the Italian stallion. That's okay, because that is a, a type of stallion. But if you're just talking stallion, it is Megan. <laughs> Megan. <laughs> Why'd you start laughing? It's right? a good, I, no, it's I a good justification. It. I had it without laughing. I was trying to deadpan it, and you killed me. That's why I would have a hard time with stand-up comedy, because when I finally said something like moderately funny and people laughed, I would not be able to keep it together. <laughs> Speaking of which, let's get to... Okay, so in honor, in honor of Summerfest and Megan the Stallion on stage tonight, she has a song, and uh, the hook on that song, she goes classy, bougie, ratchet, sassy, moody. Nasty. So we are playing the first ever and maybe the only ever edition here on Brewers Weekly in honor of Summerfest. In honor of Megan the Stallion, let's get to our inaugural edition of Classy, Bougie, Ratchet, Sassy, Moody, or Nasty. Just to be clear here, because I had to ask um, uh, Greg earlier, I did not know what the word ratchet meant. Uh, Urban Dictionary says to act in a dysfunctional or out-of-pocket manner, unruly. (laughs) And in case you have any issues with bougie, bougie, people pretending to or think they're high class, but they're really not, and they don't even realize that they're not. Bougie. All right, Greg, let's get to it. (laughs) I'm so glad you explained the rules, because I don't know if I could have. Do people still even know the rules? All right, so basically what I'm going to do is I'm going to mention a player, an event, something that has to do with baseball, and our very own Matt Polly has to decide if it's, or if it's, or if it's, or if it's, or if it's, and even if it's. All right, are we all, Matt, you good with your rules on your game? Yep, let's do it. All right, perfect. So, the Brewers clinching a playoff spot on or by Monday. A playoff spot, that is. So what, that's four right now. The magic number is four? Yeah, so, okay, so them doing that, um, you know what? I'm going to throw a curveball here. I'm going to say that's bougie because you yeah, because you think it's you think it's classy, but no, it's not classy until you win the division. So it's bougie. Okay, all right, I like it. Bougie, okay. indeed. Okay, moving on. Um, Ryan Braun's retirement that he announced earlier this week. Yeah, classy, classy, classy. classy. 
absolutely. And, and that video he put out was great. The video that the Brewers put out was great. Everything about it. Looking forward to that final home game of the regular season when uh, we can all celebrate uh, his career. Absolutely classy. All right, so we'll stay a little recent here, especially with um, Brewers. Um, Matt, what's your feeling on combined no-hitters? Oh. Ooh. Hmm. I'm going to go moody. Oh, good I'm going to go moody on this one. Because, man, it uh, it's exciting, but then so many people do not want to accept it for what it is. And, you know, on Brewers Extra Innings, we got the first phone call of the night. Somebody calling up for Craig Council to be fired for taking Corbin Burns out of that game. And that made me upset that I had to deal with that kind of phone call. So, yeah, we're going moody. Here's how we describe that caller. Sassy. Indeed. Um, okay, moving on. I don't know if you saw this pretty wholesome moment. Craig Kimbrell, White Sox pitcher, met a fan in the stands yesterday. After a game prior, the fan was imitating his unique pitching stance. If you don't know, Craig Kimbrell kind of arches his back, kind of leans over and has like a hanging elbow type deal. So Kimbrell met the fan imitating him at the game last week, signed some autographs for him. Yeah, we're going to go with our first uh, repeat winner here because on this one we are going to go classy. Classy. Because uh, that, that was really cool from Kimbrel the way he did that. I mean, he made that kid's day. you got to think that's a story that that kid is going to be able to tell for his entire life. Those are, those are the moments that I think happen in baseball more than any other sport. And I love it. So, yeah, absolutely classy on that one. All right, here's the fun one. I'm excited for your answer right here. Uh, how about, and as it stands right now, this is the situation. Matt, you and I talked about this a little yesterday. A Cardinals-Dodgers National League wild card series. Hmm. Can I go nasty? Oh, of course you can. Please explain. Yeah, let's go nasty on that one. The Cardinals find they've had a they've not had a good year. They've had some really ugly losses, and then they find their way in, and you just know the Dodgers are going to be scared out of their mind of this ugly, nasty team coming in who might be able to steal a playoff spot essentially away from them. Or nasty. Exactly. And finally, we'll wrap up here. <laughs> I don't know if you saw this. this is, I don't think I've ever seen this ever. And I, I there's probably... Baseball fans can probably count on one hand how many times this has actually happened. The Baltimore Orioles ground screw, yeah, they were tossed out of the game yesterday. Um, care to, first of all, give us a word and explain what indeed happened that day. Okay, so just for the, for the matter of record, it looked like they were getting tossed out. The umpire later sent like a text message to the Associated Press saying he wasn't throwing them out of the game per se. He was getting them off the field because at that point the infield was playing in. So I guess he was worried that like you know a ball could come in at him and they would be in danger. So he's claiming that it was a it was a safety issue more than anything else. However, uh, it. Man, that's sassy. That, that the umpire doing that? Like, why, why are you worrying? You know, he was hearing some things from the grounds crew. Grounds crew guys can be, you know, they can be a little chirpy. It happens. Uh, so I'll say that was uh, that was sassy uh, there from the uh, from the umpire sending them out. Sassy. Or my favorite one, we could also do this. Sassy. <laughs> all right, and that's it. That's all I got for you for this edition of sassy. and and and. Thank you for playing. There it is. Don't know if we'll ever play it again, but it was fun tonight. <laughs> Live at Summer. 
Brewers Weekly with Matt Foley on WTMJ. Dropkick Murphys, they are going on stage in doing math, 38 minutes at the uh, BMO Harris Pavilion. So I'm I'm not as up to date on uh, not the yeah, I, I know Dropkick Murphys, but I'm not as up to date on some of the uh, some of the other newer music out there. I got to tell you, it's like this morning at breakfast, uh, I'm sitting there with my wife and my daughter, and I, we knew I was going to be out here tonight, and we brought up the uh, the Summerfest schedule, and there were some artists on there that I wasn't totally sure on. Luckily, we have an Alexa in our kitchen, so literally, this is what we were doing this morning during breakfast. We were looking at. The artist who we were not super familiar with, and asking Alexa to play songs from those artists. So, like, Alexa, play music from Fitz and the Tantrums. And then we heard, oh, we know them. Yeah, 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 we know them. Um, I knew Dropkick Murphys. My wife actually did not know Dropkick Murphys. My wife knew Jordan Davis. I did not know Jordan Davis. So it's a, it's a give or take. That's what makes marriage fantastic and great. Welcome back in. It's Brewers Weekly here on uh, WTMJ. Just want to mention real quick, uh, if you didn't hear the news this past week, I don't know how you didn't hear it. I'm sure everybody heard it. But Ryan Braun announcing his retirement. That kind of ends the conversation that we were all having. People asked all the time, is Braun coming back? Is Braun coming back? That question changed a little bit to, hey, might Braun play next year? No, like I always said, probably not, probably not. That was always my answer, and now it's just a, it's a flat-out no. And I'm looking forward to seeing him after playing a year in front of empty, in an empty ballpark. He'll finally get that applause that he deserves to uh, wrap up his career there on that final home game of the season here in a couple Sundays. All right, one more break. We'll come back and wrap up the program. This is Brewers Weekly live at Summerfest on WTMJ. WTMJ, W277-CV, and WKTI-HD2, Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studio. This is News Radio WTMJ. This is Brewers Weekly with Matt Foley on WTMJ. Starting to wrap up this edition of Brewers Weekly here on WTMJ. Uh, Shameless, just absolute shameless plug real quick before we get out of here. Uh, the Brewers obviously threw the no-hitter this past week. I did something that I thought was kind of fun and cool. Uh, on my Brewers Extra-Innings podcast, I had a conversation with uh, Brewers radio broadcaster Jeff Levering and TV broadcaster Craig Cashon. They were both... They called the moment. You know, Jeff and Lane go back and forth on play-by-play, but Jeff was on for the ninth inning. Uh, Craig did the entire game on the TV broadcast on Bally Sports Wisconsin. I had a conversation with them just about going through that game, what it means to call a no-hitter, the whole thing. Uh, really thought it was it was a fun thing to do. So you can find it on, like, Apple Podcast, or if you go to WTMJ.com, go to the podcast link and scroll down to Brewers Extra Innings Podcast, and you'll see, I think it's the third one down right now. It might be the fourth one down after this show gets posted uh but i uh, just want to throw that out there i thought it was pretty cool and uh, you can check that out for yourself again it's at wtmj.com and the brewers extra innings uh, podcast brewers back home tomorrow 10 game homestand final homestand of the regular season amazing that we have gotten to this point look forward to talking to you coming up uh, tomorrow night for brewers extra innings here on wtmj You've been listening to Brewers Weekly with Matt Foley on WTMJ.